Glad to have everybody out. Let's go ahead and uh, open our Bibles up to Mark chapter number four. Mark chapter number four is where we'll be at. And what we've been doing in this service is we have been going through uh, going through the Gospels, and our focus has been to refocus on Jesus and kind of stripping away all of the uh, preconceived ideas and all of the uh, traditions and all of these different things that tend to kind of blur our vision, kind of take our focus off of Jesus. And we're looking at the Gospels and seeing uh, who Jesus was according to God's Word, uh, seeing the things that he did, the attitudes he had, how he interacted with men, what he taught, and hopefully with that clarifying uh, who he is in our sight. And so last week what we did is we, we saw that Jesus was on hostile territory. He had went to dinner with a Pharisee by the name of Simon, and as he came to dinner there, uh, he wasn't exactly the most uh, well looked after, the most uh, honored or respected with him being in a Pharisee's house. But there was a woman that came out that is only identified as being a sinner. Mm -hmm. And this woman comes and she weeps over his feet and washes his feet with her tears and anoints him with, uh, with ointment and all these things. And she is showing so much love and admiration and praise and worship. And what we saw in this instance was a contrast between how Simon treated Jesus and how this woman, this sinner, treated Jesus. And the main thing that made the difference was their perspective of him. How did they view Jesus? What did they think of Jesus? And that determined how they treated Jesus, how they responded to Jesus. And so to Simon, Jesus was just another man at the table. He was just someone there at supper. He didn't give him any honor to uh, provide water to wash his feet. He wasn't going to honor him. He wasn't going to make any sacrifices for him. As a matter of fact, what Simon did do was set back and condemn Jesus. He started judging Jesus. He started criticizing Jesus because Jesus wasn't doing what he thought Jesus should do. And it even extended a little bit further. It wasn't just Jesus that he condemned and that he criticized. He was criticizing Jesus' followers as well. He was looking down at this woman who was worshiping God, who was worshiping Jesus, and he says, what an awful person she is. Can you believe she's acting like that? Can you believe Jesus even letting her? And so he had all of these criticisms for Jesus and his followers because he didn't see Jesus as someone special, as someone that he needed, as someone who was necessary for him. But by contrast, this woman, whenever she came in, she wasn't withholding honor. She was heaping honor on him. She was lavishing praise and worshiping him because to this woman, he was the son of God. He was the lover of her soul. He was merciful and just and holy. And she knew in his presence, she was welcome and she was accepted. And so she heaped praise and worship on him. And not only that, she had no criticisms of him because she recognized him as being God. And so whatever he did, she was okay with because he knew better than what she did. She didn't criticize even his followers or his critics because her attention and her focus was so much up on God, she wasn't worried about everyone else. And so our takeaway from all of this is if we as Christians would see Jesus for who he is, 
if we would appreciate him as our savior, if we would see ourselves as sinners without hope, without him, then it's going to change our perspective. It's going to change our treatment toward him. And we're not going to withhold honor and praise from him, but instead we're going to fall down at his feet and we're going to worship him. We're going to be thankful that he had mercy on us, that he loved us so much he was willing to die for us, that he extended the offer of salvation to whosoever will, and we're going to worship him and praise him because of that. Not only that is we're not going to be criticizing him because he is our Lord and our Savior. He's the one that's in charge. He is God and we are not. And we're not going to be so concerned about what everybody else is doing because honestly, that's his problem, not ours. And we're going to leave it in his hands. And so we don't have to criticize. We don't have to cut down everyone else. We just need to draw up close to him and appreciate him and serve him and worry about him, not everybody else. And so today what we're going to be looking at is Jesus is going to be telling a parable. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly or a spiritual meaning. And he's making a transition here. As we're looking at Jesus' ministry, uh, up until this point in time, he's been teaching pretty clearly. He's been saying things as they are. But now as he's transitioning into parables, he's kind of in the later part of his ministry, maybe even up into the last year of his ministry. And by now, he has accumulated many critics. He has many people who are insincere amongst these multitudes that are following him. And amongst all of these people that are coming around him, uh, they are looking for things that he's doing wrong, looking for things to weaponize and to use against him, just trying to find ways to pick him apart. And so he begins to teach by parables. And in the middle of the, the passage that we're going to be reading today, he explains to his disciples why he teaches in parables. And it is to, uh, to illustrate, to make known to those who really seek him. It's to make known to those who want to hear and to hide from those that are insincere. So he says, those who want to see are going to see the truth whenever I'm teaching it in these parables. Those who don't want to see, it's going to be hidden from them. And so he's doing that with these parables. And so what he's going to be teaching them in this passage and in this parable, he's going to be teaching them about their attitude, about how they receive his word. And so let's look at Mark chapter number four, starting with verse number one. And I'll read a pretty decent passage here, but hopefully you'll, you'll, uh, you'll follow along with me. Mark chapter four, verse number one. And he began again to teach by the seaside and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among the thorns, uh, and grew up, and excuse me, some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and it yielded fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. 
And when he was alone, they that were about with him, or about him with the twelve, asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto these that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these that are, they likewise, which are sown in stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended." And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some one hundred. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your word that you've given us for the people who have come out uh, to to hear it, to to serve you, to worship you, to praise you, Lord. We just pray, Lord, ask you that you'd meet with us here today, that you would uh, just help us in our understanding, open up our ears and our hearts, that we would receive your word gladly, that it would be uh, it would find good ground, that it would bring forth fruit in our lives, Lord. We just pray that you would uh, be with the needs of each person here. If there's anyone here that don't know you as their Savior, that today would be the day that they would put their faith and trust in you. Thank you so much for all that you do and all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Most of us are somewhat familiar with the process of uh, sowing seed. Uh, living in Ireland, there's plenty of fields that we go by and fields of grain. And of course, the process is a little bit more advanced now. It's more mechanicalized and different things. But even in a smaller, uh, a smaller setting and things, we would be familiar with the idea of preparing the ground, taking the seed, and casting it out on the ground, allowing it to fall in the soil and sink down into the soil, allow the rains to come and God to work what only God does and bring forth from that seed and cause plants to spring up and they grow up uh, into stalks of weed or whatever it is that's sown and they produce a fruit. They produce something for us to harvest, for us to partake of, for us to grow by it, right? We're familiar with this process. And so whenever we look at this passage, one of the things that we notice is there are different kinds of ground that the seed lands on. If you've ever scattered seed before, not every seed that hits the ground actually produces something. Right. If you ever scattered seed before, not all of it goes where you want it to go. Right. It's not that you're digging a little hole and pushing the seed down in a specific place and covering it up and you're casting it on the ground and then it's up to God and the, the seed and nature, I guess, to take place, right? But there was different types of ground that the seed was landing on. And what happened to the seed and whether it was fruitful was determined by the condition of the ground it landed on. That's simple, isn't it? But you didn't come to learn about farming, did you? And so as we look at this passage, as I said, this is a parable. It has a spiritual meaning. It has something deeper than just 
instructions about farming or observations about farming. I've often, oftentimes heard people as they approach this passage try to uh, try to draw lines and try to figure out and say, well, this is only about salvation, and so this one's saved and this one isn't. And, and to be honest with you, that's not what this passage is about. That's not the main focus of this passage. But instead, what this passage is truly about is it is giving us the truth. It tells us here, the seed is the word of God. The soil, the ground that it lands on is the heart of man. That's simple enough, isn't it? It's told there in verses 14 and 15. The sower soweth the word that it is sown in their hearts. And so for each and every single one of us, we are receiving the word of God. As I am here preaching, as I'm teaching today, I am sowing forth the word and it is finding its way to many different types of soil, many different hearts. I don't know where you are with God today. I don't know what your what the condition of your heart is today. But your heart is the soil which the word of God hopefully is finding its way into. And how you're going to respond to the word of God is determined by the condition of your heart when you hear the word of God. That is the purpose of this passage. This is what it's trying to teach us is that the condition of our heart determines what happens whenever we hear the word of God. And I believe this applies not just to a lost man when he hears the gospel. That applies to each and every one of us, even as Christians. Every time that we open up the scriptures, if you're reading in your personal time, if you're coming here to church and you're hearing it preached or you're hearing it taught, if you're hearing it on the radio, if you're listening to podcasts, if you're reading it in a book or a devotional, or wherever you find the Word of God, even as it is written in songs and sung in songs, whenever the Word of God comes near unto you, whenever it comes in your ears or through your eyes, whenever it finds its way to your heart, how do you respond? What happens to the Word of God whenever it enters into you? And the whole emphasis here is you are responsible for the soil of your heart that it be prepared, that it be ready, and that it be able to receive the seed, that it can be fruitful, okay? And so that's the purpose behind this. And so as we look at this parable, whether we're saved or not, we need to realize that our heart matters. Yeah. Our heart matters. And so we need to prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. So we're going to be looking at these four different soils today, and kind of getting an idea of what this means, of how we fit into the matter, okay? So the first soil that we look at here is the hard soil. It calls it the wayside soil. This would be the soil that would be uh, trampled upon, that would be driven over, that would be uh, the roadway or the footpath, or maybe even like the tractor tracks, that is compacted, that is pushed down, that is hard. And wherever the seed lands on there, it is just a hard surface, and it can't bring forth. It can't shoot down roots. And instead, it's out in the open, and it says that the birds of the air come and pluck it up. They consume it. They eat it. It's gone. It does no good. never grows. Okay? Uh, even today, as we get, we observe some of the farmers that are around and whatnot, birds are still an issue. Yeah. Birds are still an issue. They're still... I know whenever we lived at the, the previous house, the old men that was beside of us, whenever they would have uh, their, their hay cut, when they had their fields cut, they would get so mad at the birds because the birds would be coming and eating up all the seeds that was in their hay, and that was taking away a lot of the nutrients, a lot of the food that was going to their animals. But that's just a side story. 
Uh, coming back to what we're looking at here, the the wayside soil, the hard, the compacted ground was worthless for producing anything. Mm -hmm. And so when we apply that to our lives, we can become hardened. Our hearts can become hardened. The world has a good way of doing this to us. The experiences that we go through, the situations that we enter into, the way that we are treated by men harden our hearts. There are many people who have been mistreated, who have been abused, who have been hurt. And through all of these things, or even just uh, the situations of their life, they become hardened toward God and hardened toward his word. Mm -hmm. And so whenever they hear the word of God, it is offensive to them. When they hear the word of God, they bristle up a little bit. When they hear the word of God, it isn't pleasant to them. And so they are resistant. They are pushing back against the word of God because they are hardened. And this isn't just for the lost man, but for the saved man. Whenever the word of God does not have that effect on us, whenever we are not interested in the things of God, whenever we are not uh, moved by the things of God, whenever we hear the word of God and it has no effect on us, Mm -hmm. that is an indication that we're hardened. Whenever we're disinterested in the word of God, we are hardened toward it. And it's not going to do any good in our lives. It's not going to make any impact. It is not going to be fruitful when we're hardened to it. For the lost man who says, I want nothing to do with God. I don't want to hear his word. It may be because of unbelief. It may be because of the lies of society and because of all the things that they have heard. And they'll dismiss it and say, the word of God, that's that's not the word of God. That's a man-made book. That's something that men have made up. That's something I don't believe. There's errors. There's mistakes. And they are hardened against the word. And whenever that is their attitude, when that is their reaction to the word of God, it is never going to be fruitful in their life. Their heart is hardened, and that hardened heart must be softened. That hardened soil must be cultivated and broken up before the seed of the word can ever bring forth fruit. The second type of soil that we see here is the rocky soil or the shallow soil. We're familiar with this kind of soil with living in Ireland. Uh, Anywhere you dig, you pull back a little bit of dirt, and just under the dirt, there's a rock. If you've ever driven like down through the burren, there's just rock everywhere, very little plants growing, definitely no wheat crops. And so it is a hardened soil. It is rocky underneath. There's very little earth for those crops to take root in. And whenever there is no, no, no soil for them to take root in, They may spring up because of that little bit of dirt, that little bit of moisture. But it says as soon as the sun comes out, it withers away, it dies, it never becomes fruitful. So what is that like in our lives? How does that play out for us uh, as we're talking about the Word of God here, as we're talking about the soil of our heart? There are different things that enter into our lives that uh, contaminate our soil. There's different rocks that we... uh, maybe will accumulate as we're going through this life and things that are going to cause us to be less receptive to the things of God. They're going to be things such as our expectations or our limitations that we put on God, our conditions that we put on God. Sometimes it's going to be our traditions, our preconceptions or our desires in our lives. Those are going to be rocks that are going to limit how deep God's word can root down into our hearts. And so as we are accumulating these things, we're going to say, okay, I'm going to to be more than happy to accept 
the easy things, the good things, the ones that are uh, favorable to me. We're going to like the passages in Scripture that say I can do all things through Christ. We're going to like the passages where it talks about how God answers our prayers. We're going to love the passages whenever it talks about His love and His acceptance toward us. We're going to like those. We're going to bring those in, but there's some other passages that we're resistant to, right? And as we're going through our lives, we'll say, okay, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm more than happy to accept the gospel. I'm more than happy to follow God as long as he plays by my rules, as long as it fits my expectations, as long as he meets my conditions. But these are stones that are in our lives that are preventing us from being fruitful. And it says that as soon as the sun comes out, as soon as there uh, are Conditions that come, whenever things heat up, right? When things don't go the way that we think they should, whenever our conditions aren't met, it says, then we are offended. And I find that the people who become offended at God and at his word will end up being in the hard category before it's over with. Yeah, definitely. The storms and the, the rains of this life are going to wash away what little bit of soil they have and it's going to be hard and compacted, right? See, there are many people who said, I used to go to church, but this happened. I used to be a Christian, but I'm not so sure anymore. Whenever I was little, I went to church. Whenever I, uh, back in the day, I used to believe in God. I used to follow his word. I used to, but something came up. Something came up in my life and it was that sun that came out. It was that heat that was applied. And I had no root. I had no substance. I was shallow in my Christianity. And it caused that fragile plant to wither away and die before it could ever become fruitful. And as I said, many of those people become hard. They become bitter because they have been hurt, because God didn't meet their expectations. Because the part of Christianity or God's word that they accepted was limited by these stones that they had in their life, and they were unable to have anything truly take root and grow. For many lost people, they could say the same thing. They could say, well, I was happy to accept some things. They like to sing, Jesus loves me, right? That's a fairly well-accepted song everywhere, and I'm glad that Jesus loves me. They're glad to hear some of these truths of God's word but they are also not willing to admit that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They are willing to accept the God who loves and accepts everybody, but not the God that demands holiness. They're willing to accept the God that will just let everybody into heaven, but not the one that must be believed and trusted upon by faith. Not the one that requires us to understand and admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior that becomes offensive to them. And so they say, oh, yes, I'm interested in God. Oh, I'm not interested in that God. And the seed is deflected. The seed quickly withers away before it ever has a chance to grow. The third type of soil that we find in here is the thorny soil. So he said that as he went out to sow, some fell on the wayside, some, some fell where it was rocky and wasn't able to take root. But some of it, whenever it fell, found out that there was already things growing there. 
that the seed had competition. And whenever the seed had competition, that those thorns and those, uh, those thistles and those weeds that was growing there, that the seed had to fight for the moisture and for the nutrients, and it was choked out because of the competition, because of the other things that already existed there. Anyone who's ever done any gardening or growing any plants or anything like that knows that if, they, if you have something growing in your garden that you didn't plant, it will almost always kill out what you did plant. Mm -hmm. Whenever I still lived in the States, there was a, a long time I made an attempt to grow a vegetable garden. I was working long hours. I was raising a family. I was trying to grow a garden. I planted too big of a garden, and I wasn't able to keep up with the garden, and the weeds took over. Mm -hmm. And I've joked about this in the past, but I was growing corn in my garden. You know, corn grows tall, right? <laughs> I lost my corn in the weeds, meaning I couldn't find it because I think we had camp or something and yeah, we were going for a week and work and catching up and everything. And in the middle of all of that, the weeds got so tall that they choked out the corn and the corn was short, the weeds were tall, and I had nothing. They weren't fruitful. Because yeah. of Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so whenever we look at this passage here, we find that if God's word is competing with other things in your life, that it will get choked out. It will be unfruitful. What does it say are the weeds that choke things out? It tells us here, excuse me, it tells us here that the cares of this world, that's the anxieties, the things that we are stressing over and that we are competing and we are fighting and we are trying to worry about and trying to get accomplished, Anyone relate to that? Yes, this world gives you cares. It gives you anxieties. And whenever you are consumed by that, God's word gets lost in the mix. Mm -hmm. That's why the Bible says, be anxious for nothing. So it tells us the cares of this world. It tells us the deceitfulness of riches. Just the society, the culture that we live in today, there is so much of a focus on getting ahead, on attaining, on materialism. And we feel as if we have to have this, we have to have that. And if we have to have that, then we need to do all of these things. We need to have every minute of every hour of every day consumed by this pursuit of things that we don't have time for God and for his word. And because of that, it is competing for God. It is complete, competing for his word and God's word is going to lose out. Plenty of people say, I don't have time for God because I've got all these other things. I can't go to church. I can't sit down and read the Bible each day. I don't have time to meditate on the things of God because all of these other things have consumed my focus. I have so many weeds that are choking out God's word and God's will in my life. And so because of the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and it says the lusts of other things. We're allowing our heart to be our guide. Our stony, our thorny, our hard heart is the one that's determining what we're going after, what's important in our lives, and God has to take the back seat. And so it tells us that these weeds, these thorns that enter into our lives, it chokes out the word of God. What is it in your life that is competing with God? What is it in your life that whenever... Uh, you hear the word of God. You say, okay, well, I know that's what it says, 
but I'm not sure if I believe it. I know this is what it says, but I don't have time for that right now. I know this is what it says, but if I do that, I'm going to miss out on this. You see the competition that takes place. And if there is other loves, if there are other things in your life that is competing with God and competing with his word, all too often, that seed of God's word, that relationship with God is going to be the one that gets choked out, that gets abandoned, becomes unfruitful. The fourth type of soil that we find here is the fruitful soil. Finally, the seed fell in the good soil and it shot out roots and they dug down deep in the ground. They had all the moisture, all the nutrients down there in the earth. It has been prepared. It had been tilled up. It had been fertilized, all these different things. And it dug down deep roots. It shot up strong stalks up to the, up to the heavens, if you will. And it brought forth a bountiful crop. It says some 30, some uh, 50 or 60, some 100. So even amongst the good soil, there's different results amongst the soil, right? But the seed found a prepared, a good soil, and it was able to get rooted in and grown. Whenever God's word actually goes past your ears, past your eyes, makes it to your heart, finds good soil, then it has an effect on our heart. When God's word gets into our heart, it transforms us. It changes our thinking. It informs our going, our direction, the way that we are walking. We read about the fruit of the Spirit. It produces joy and peace. It produces patience and meekness. It produces goodness in our lives and humility in our lives. And it reworks us and changes us into the image of God. God can do something in our lives when our hearts are prepared for his word, whenever we are receptive to his word and we allow it to grow in our lives and produce fruit. And so that is the four different types of soil. In our lives, we have choices here. And, and just to be honest with you, the word of God, we can't be neutral to. The word of God demands a response. It's either going to offend you or it's going to be something that you desire. But how are you going to respond to the word of God? It requires a response. It is going to have an effect, but that is going to be determined by the kind of soil. It's going to be determined by the condition of your heart. So is your heart hard? Are you resistant to it? Is it offensive to you? Do you just ignore it altogether? Is there things in your heart, things that you've picked up along the way that limits what you're willing to hear, that limits what you're willing to receive, that's going to prohibit, it's going to prevent that seed from actually taking root and growing? Are there other things that the Word of God has to compete with in your life, things that are pushing it out, that are uh, taking away all of its nutrients and all of its ability to grow? Or is your heart tender? Is your heart prepared? Is it ready to receive so that it's able to produce fruit. That is the difference that we have in our lives. And so it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. You might say, well, my heart has been hard. I've not been interested in the things of God. I've been kind of offended or ignoring it or whatnot, but I realize that's wrong. I need to do something about it. The good news about this is that any soil with some work can produce fruit. 
Even that good soil we talked about a minute ago wasn't always good. There had to be someone at some point in time that came and broke up the hard ground, that pulled out the weeds, that cast out the stones, and worked on that plot of ground to make it ready for it to produce fruit. It takes work. I told about my gardening adventures, and I, th I think I got it from my grandparents a little bit, but they're a lot better at it than I am. And so my grandparents, for many, many years, as long as I've been alive, have always had a vegetable garden. And it's usually pretty impressive. They have a large garden. I've shown some of y'all pictures of it in the past. It is their pride and joy. They are in their 80s right now, and they are still growing this huge garden. And every day, rain or shine, they are out in that garden, and they are turning over the soil. They are pulling out the weeds. They are fertilizing their plants. They are making sure that there is nothing in there competing with those plants. There's nothing in there hindering those plants. And they are working on it day by day, all the way through the summer, because they want it to produce fruit. They want to be able, at the end of the season, to have corn and to have beans and to have potatoes and tomatoes and all these other things that they have planted, but it's not going to happen unless they do the work on their soil. And they do that. They do it constantly. So in our lives, we have to realize that if we don't tend to our hearts, if we don't do a work on our hearts, they are going to become hard. They are going to become rocky. They are going to become weedy or thorny, and they are going to be unproductive and resistant to the Word of God if we don't tend to them. You know, my grandparents have raised a garden in the same place for somewhere near 30 years, okay? They've lived in their current home for 30 years. They've raised a garden in the same place, and still every year as they go through, they are still finding rocks they have to throw out. There are still weeds that grow up in that garden. Even after 30 years, they're still tending to that. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. doesn't matter how long, how many sermons you've heard, how many times you've read through the Bible. If you don't tend to your heart, it is going to have these things that come up and cause you to be unfruitful. The Bible tells us that we are to keep our hearts with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This idea of keeping your heart means that you are standing guard, that you are the one responsible for your heart. Society's idea, and you've heard me say this many times, society's idea is follow your heart. Let your heart or your conscience be your guide, right? That's what Disney tells us. But the Bible tells us, don't follow your heart, lead your heart. Guard your heart, protect your heart. Because if you don't, the Bible also tells us, that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. The soil of your heart will grow weeds, will get rocky, will compact and be hard if you don't tend to your heart. And so whenever you start noticing the weeds popping up, when you start seeing rocks in your life, whenever it starts getting a little bit compacted, a little bit hard, that is the time to do something about it. But maybe it's went for a while. Maybe, you're, maybe your heart is, is pretty thorny. Maybe it's getting pretty compacted. Maybe there's a lot of stones and a lot of things in there. With that, it's time to do business with God. It's time to face those. If there's things in your life that has made you hard, you can't keep ignoring them. 
you have to deal with them. And I believe one of the first places to go is to the Lord in prayer and say, God, my heart's gotten hard. I don't want to be hard toward your word. I know I'm not as receptive as I should be. I know it's not as fruitful as it should be. Lord, please help me with these things I'm struggling with. Help me with these things that have made me hard toward you and toward your word. If you notice that there are some rocks or some things that you've allowed in your life that is making you resistant to the word of God, deal with those and say, God, help me get rid of these things. I don't want to be limiting your word because of all of these expectations and all of these stipulations that I've placed on you. Lord, I want your will, not mine, to be done. I'm going to trust you, even if it's not easy, even if it's not convenient. Lord, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I've been pursuing after other things. You've had to compete in my life. You've had to compete with the riches and with the worries and all these different things. Lord, help me to root out these things. Help me to get rid of them. Help me to prioritize you and your word over it. And you might be here today and say, well, my heart's in good condition. I love the word of God. I've been devouring it. I've been reading it. God's doing work in my life. Guard that, protect it. Keep it up because it's not permanent without work. God desires to do work in us. He desires that we produce fruit. He wants to transform us. He wants to uh, work in our lives and change our thinking and change our desires and bring us into alignment with him and with his plans. And the Bible says that his will is good and perfect and acceptable. He wants us to experience that, but he's going to do that through his word. And if we are hard, if we are uh, rocky, if we are thorn, if we are not receptive to his word, He's not going to be able to accomplish the things he desires to in our lives. And so we have to take a little bit of an inventory, if you will. We have to say, God, what's my attitude toward your word? How do I receive your word? Am I offended by it? Am I ignoring it? Is it getting choked out by other things? Is there things that's in the way of keeping it from taking root? Or has it been fruitful? Has God been working in my life? what we have to ask ourselves. And God can use that. God can take that. If we're honest with God, if we will seek after him and desire him, he can break up those hard hearts. He can uh, do a work in there and make us fruitful for our good, for his glory. He can do that. But it takes us being honest with ourselves. It takes us looking at ourselves and saying, what is my relationship with God's word? Because your relationship with his word is going to determine your relationship with him. And your relationship with your, his word and your relationship with him is going to determine whether he can use you, whether he can work in your life, whether you can be fruitful. And so I, I believe this parable is, is so important. Such a great truth. I think it's the foundation for a lot of them. Even Jesus says that at the very beginning. He says, know you not this parable. How then will you know all parables? He says, this is foundational. This is important. You have to get this. Guard your heart. Be receptive to God's word. Be quick to root out anything that's going to hinder or prevent it. Desire for God to work in your life and produce fruit in you. That's the choice that you have. And so I'm going to say before we close today, for you as Christians, 
This should be an ongoing thing. This should be something that you're continually doing. And if this has, if this letter's had your address on it, how about it that way? If you identify with this and say, God, I know there's some things in my life that shouldn't be there. I know that my attitude's not what it should be. I want to say, get that right quickly. Don't allow it to tarry. I don't often do invitations or anything. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pray here at the close of this. And if the Lord is dealing with you about anything, it would be a good idea to say, God, I need your help. I recognize I, I need to do some things here. Because if you don't, you know what's going to happen? The devil's going to come and he's going to snatch that seed away. You're going to forget about it. We're going to talk. We're going to fellowship. We're going to eat. And you're going to go about your way. And this is going to just, it's going to leave you. If God's dealing with you about anything now, take care of it now. And I want to say, if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're in here today and you're not sure that whenever you close your eyes in death, that heaven is going to be your home whenever you die, the Lord desires that you trust on him for salvation. Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a perfect and sinless life. He died on a cross in your place, taking your sins upon himself. He died in your place, and he was risen the third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He is seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, and he is offering up salvation to whosoever will believe upon him. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the Bible also tells us in the book of Romans, chapter number 10, and I want to turn over there, uh, I'm going to mess it up. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 9 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse number 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? What's the Bible telling us? It's telling us that salvation is available we can't save ourselves. We can't do enough good works, but that Jesus paid the price for us. He is offering up his righteousness, taking your sinfulness upon himself, offering his righteousness to you, that if you will simply put your faith and trust in him and call upon him and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I need you as my savior. I'm trusting the price that you paid. He says, shall be saved. That is the truth of the word of God. The seed is being sown. What is your response to it? And just as I said with the believers here today, I challenge you as I am praying in our closing prayer today, if the Lord has dealt with you, if you realize that you are a sinner in need of a savior, I invite you to call upon him while he's dealing with you. Put your faith and trust in him. Ask him to forgive your sins and save your soul. He'll do it today. Let's go Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you today. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, we thank you so much for this passage that we have, Lord. 
I know in my life there's been times that I've been all of these types of soil. I know there's things that's hardened me, things that's distracted me, things that's gotten in the way. And Lord, I pray, just help us, each and every one of us, to examine ourselves. Lord, help us to prioritize your word and the effect that you desire in our lives. Help us to desire to be fruitful, Lord. And Lord, I just pray, help us to search ourselves. And if anything has gotten in the way, help us, Lord, to do the, do the gardening work that's needed. Help us to do the things that's needed to prepare our heart, to prepare the soil so that you're able to make it be fruitful in our lives. Lord, I pray if there's one here today that don't know you as their Savior, I pray, Lord, that even now they would call upon you, they would put their faith and trust in you and ask you to forgive their sins and to save their soul. Continue dealing with their heart. Don't let the adversary take that seed away. Help them to continue meditating on it. Help them continue thinking on it. And Lord, do your desired work in the hearts and lives of each person here today. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you for who you are and for what you've done. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen.